Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So over the past few weeks, past four weeks actually, we've been on this amazing journey through the Word of God. I believe the Holy Spirit's been taking us by the hand and leading us into a place of growth, a place of maturity, uh, in order to equip us for the times that we are in. Our goal for this series is and has been to raise the level of awareness of the need to develop endurance so that we may run our race. Amen? So we may run our race. Nobody sits back. Nobody's a spectator. We're all in on this. You have a race to run. I have a race to run. And, and this race has been set before us by our Heavenly Father who loves us, who cares for us, who wants us to have the privilege and the honor to be involved in everything that he's doing. Amen. And if you don't realize that that's an honor and that's a privilege, I pray that you get that awareness, that level of awareness builds up. It is an honor when God uses us. It's an honor that God uses us to feed all these people in, in the Asbury Park area. Uh, people that are going to come from all over the area and go to that, that, to that place of shelter, that place of refuge, that place of compassion. And I love, I love hooking up with organizations like that when it comes to meeting the needs of people, when it comes to reaching out to those that, that maybe some people may not want to associate with. That blesses my heart. That blesses my heart. I hope it blesses yours too. So we're talking about endurance. Endurance is the ability to press on, to bear up under the pressures of life. And it just seems like, it's like, um, it's like it comes in waves. Just when you're getting over something, something else is coming now right behind it. And you and I need to be prepared for this. You and I can, we, we can't not, we cannot afford to be spectators. We cannot afford to be passive. We cannot afford to be complacent. There is a war that's going on. There is a war in the spirit, and God Almighty, the kingdom of God, is depending on the church to use the authority of the name of Jesus, to use our love, our compassion, the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. God Almighty is depending on you and depending on me to hold back the forces of darkness, to, to, to come against every form of sickness and disease. And not just say, well, this is what it is. You know, it is what it is. And this is what life is like. No, 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 no. Remember this, okay? Jesus died on the cross. He suffered a horrible death to overcome sin. Sin, the byproduct of sin is sickness, disease, poverty, death. None of those things were supposed to be part of our experience as human beings on the earth. It's not the way it is. Okay, we're so used to this now that we think, well, this is just life the way it is. If it's not one sickness, it's another. If it's not going to be allergies, it's going to be a flu. If it's not going to be the flu, it's going to be the virus, which is now the, 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 the big thing now, the virus. Everything's the virus. Okay, and it's real. And we need, to be, we need to be wise about things. We don't throw ourselves in front of a train just because we have the name of Jesus on our lips. Okay, you understand that, right? Let's not be foolish. Let's, let's, let's do what we can. Let's not get into fear, but let's be wise. Amen? Amen? But you see, it's all about endurance. And let's face it, I would venture to say probably all of us here and those that are watching online, we probably all know some people that, man, they haven't made it through very well. 
it's affected people's ways of thinking. It's affected people's perspective on life. It's, it's you know, you, you feel awkward when you're around people. You don't know if you want to do one of these, if you're going to do a high five. You don't want people breathing on you. It's like, you know, don't leave me hanging here. You know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there like you don't like, oh, you're on a different planet. We're all going through this stuff together. And so we've got to endure. Amen? The key word is endurance. But let me tell you something. We don't just develop endurance overnight. Just by virtue of the fact of the word itself, endurance. It's the, the act of enduring. And that doesn't happen at the snap of a finger. It's something that you develop over the years. However, we've been concentrating on one portion of Scripture that's very, very clear that tells us and teaches us and admonishes us that if we're going to build endurance, there's certain things we're going to have to get out of our lives. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 1, again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? Endurance. Yeah. Let us run with? Endurance. The race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What, what does that mean? He endured suffering. He endured traumatic suffering. He endured humiliation. He endured shame. But then on top of that, he endured the feeling of separation from his father in heaven. Are you getting this? He endured a lot for us to come back into relationship with our father. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the, the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Here it is. This, is. this is the reason we're teaching this series. Lest you become weary and discouraged. Where? In your souls. So these past four weeks, we've been spending time in the word, finding out what do we need to do? To not grow weary. What do we need to do so that we're not discouraged? Why? Because when we're weary and discouraged, you're, gonna, you're more likely to throw in the towel. You're more likely to walk away and just say, this is it. I can't do this anymore. Whatever happens, happens. That's not the voice of victory. That is not the words that we as believers should be speaking. We should never have quit in our vocabulary. Amen? Amen. So the real danger of weights and sin is found in that verse 3 that we would become weary and discouraged. It's extremely dangerous because the soul is the place where we win or lose our battles. It's the place where decisions are made. Are you listening? So if you're not strong in your soul, you're probably not going to make it through. If you're not strong, if you haven't taken time to develop strength of soul, you're probably going to throw the towel in. You're probably not going to make it through. Now, the mercy of God will always be there, but God doesn't want us, God doesn't want us to just barely make it through. Why? Because he's already said that we're more than conquerors. A person who's more than a conqueror doesn't just make it through. The person that's more than a conqueror, he's leading the parade for everybody else. Amen? Hold on to that, okay? And what has become crystal clear to us is that we cannot run our race with endurance if we do not get out from under the weights and if we don't disentangle ourselves from the sin that so easily ensnares us, those things that trap us all the time. And the picture is painted here 
by the author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12 especially, is that of the ancient Greek competitive games, okay, such as the Olympic Games, okay? The Olympic Games didn't just start within the last hundred years. The Olympic Games have been around for thousands of years. The competition was so fierce that the athletes would shed even the clothing that they wore in order to streamline their efforts to get to the finish line first. And that's drastic. They, they, they were aware of everything that could, that could bring drag on them, anything that could possibly hold them back. And so that picture is painted here, that we're supposed to run our race the same way, getting everything out of our lives that could possibly be an obstacle, could possibly be a stumbling block, something that's going to cause us to slow down and not be at the finish line when we're supposed to be there. You know, it's one thing to finish. It's another thing to finish in God's timing. Amen? Amen? So we're also encouraged to strip away everything that could hold us back. In this case, obviously, we're not talking about clothing or heavy sandals that they would wear, but rather any emotional or spiritual hindrances to the completion of our race. You're in a race. Regardless, well, I don't want to be in a race. You're in a race. It doesn't matter whether you want to be in it or not. You're in this race. Okay? Nobody's exempted. We're all in it. It all depends on this. How are you going to run your race? How am I going to run my race? Am I going to run it with endurance or am I going to just make it across the finish line like 12 hours after the last guy passed? But we got a finish line in front of us. And we're all called. Each one of us are called to finish that race. The Bible tells us that we have the opportunity to finish that race with joy. But it's up to us. But one way or the other, we're going to, everybody's going to cross that finish line. Every one of us, whether, whether we're going to be like the tortoise or whether we're going to be as fast as a greyhound. It's up to us. But if when we, get, when we get rid of the weights, when we get rid of the sin, when we disentangle ourselves from the things that draw us back, we're going to finish it, and we're going to glorify God. Amen? Amen? So, weights. What are we talking about? And again, I know we've been talking about this for four weeks, but listen, this is so important. I want to make sure we get this in our souls. I want us to make sure that we understand what's going on here. And listen, heartbreak can lead to emotional weights. A disastrous financial loss can lead to fear of failure. A failed marriage, a failed romance, relationship, uh, friendship, anything like that. When we lose in those areas, they can become a weight. It becomes something that you carry in your soul for many, many years. And it can stop you from running with endurance. It can cause you to develop a loser's mentality instead instead of a winner's mentality. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to myself here? Okay, I hope those of you online, you understand also. Weights are serious issues. Habitual sin is another thing. Habitual sin can stop a person in their tracks because sin is defined. The definition of sin is missing the mark with God. Missing the mark. The original Greek word for sin is harmatia. It's the origin of that term. The origin is this. It's the picture of an archer aiming for the bullseye. And, and when we hit the bullseye, we're in God's perfect will. God designed us to hit the bullseye. When we don't, because of sin, we're missing the mark. Now, now this is why is, is sin could be so disastrous in our lives. Well, well Pastor, I'm born again. Uh, you know, Jesus forgave my sin. Yes, he did. He forgave your sins. But when we continually allow ourselves to get entangled in sin, it's not an issue of whether we're going to make it to heaven or not. It's the issue of what kind of quality of life are we going to live here on the earth. See, God already knew 
what kind of sin we were going to get involved ourselves with. You think that stopped on the day you got born again? No, because, of course, everybody in here, anybody online, you probably never sinned anymore <laughs> after you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Okay, so if the forgiveness of sin is there. We understand that. Our sins are forgiven. However, one thing we don't take into consideration is that even if you're born again, even if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you sin, sometime that sin can open up the door for the enemy to come in and attack your life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you could just get away with anything. God doesn't wink at stuff. He just took it and put it on Jesus. Do you understand that? Do we understand what our sin has cost him? And so when we get involved in sin after we've been born again, it literally can open up the door for the enemy to come in and attack us, put sickness and disease on us, bring poverty, bring oppression and depression. I don't know how many of you want that in your life. I don't want that in my life. So I want to make sure, listen, look look at this. I want to make sure every door of opportunity for the enemy is closed. Why? Because Paul says that the enemy can take a foothold. He'll, He'll try to take a foothold in our lives. Yeah, you're going to heaven, but you may live like hell here on the earth. You're going to heaven, but you might live a disastrous life of crisis to crisis here on this earth. And that's not God's will. Amen? So, if we're missing the mark, we're off track. Now, if I'm running a race, and I start that race out here in front of this building here, in our, in our brick campus here, 236 Brick Boulevard, okay? So I start my race from here. And I say, well, you know, I'm only a little off. It's not that really that, you know, I'm just a little bit off. Yeah, that doesn't make a, that much of a difference between here and maybe where the light is at the corner. But if I'm traveling that race, and that race is supposed to take me for hundreds of miles, you know how far off I'm going to be at, at, at the end of that 100 miles? See, that's when it's going to show up, when we've missed the mark. Very rarely do we see the results in a person's life when they first start out missing the mark. It's the way we finish that matters. And listen, the older we get, the less foolish we can be. Because you don't have years. If some of us don't have years to try to get back on track again. It's one thing to be a fool when you're 20. It's a whole other thing to be a fool when you're 80. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody wants to. Yeah, nobody wants to. Yeah, not me, Pastor. It must be the person next to me. In addition, there's a prize that's, that awaits us. There's a reward that awaits us. We're all going to stand before Jesus and I, I believe in God, and this next year coming up, I'm going to teach at length on the, on the idea, the concept of, of the rewards that wait for us in heaven. Okay? There's no reward for the person that misses the mark. Oh, we'll get in. But I don't know about you. I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and Jesus say, Joe, I had all these wonderful things planned for you. I had all these rewards, all this blessing." that she should have been enjoying on earth. I had all these people for you to reach so that when you got here, you would have an immense crown, the soul winner. But you missed the mark and missed the mark and missed the mark. and missed. I'm glad you're here. But wow, I would have loved for you to fulfill what I wanted for you in your life, the plan that I have for you. I would have loved for you to run your race with endurance 
You know, here where we are in this, on this planet in this timeline that we're in, we mess up and we forget about it. But we're going to live in eternity. And they say that those tears in heaven, I understand because of the compassion of God, the mercy of God. But we're still going to have feelings. We're still going to experience these things. We don't turn into zombies when we get to heaven. We don't become without feelings. We know this for sure because Jesus talked about Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man is in, is in Hades. He's looking and he could see over into paradise and he's experiencing emotions. And Abraham is experiencing emotions. Lazarus is experiencing emotions. They knew each other. We're going to know each other. And so we need to get to heaven the best possible way we can. I don't mean that that we attain salvation in ourselves, but we need to live the best life we possibly can here. And I'm not talking about the best life that we enjoy everything ourselves. I'm talking about this life that should be spent in sowing, not so much in reaping right now. The reaping is God's business. The sowing is our business. I hope you get this. Because I'm afraid that the entitlement mentality of the world has snuck into the church. And I'll do this, God, if you do this for me. Oh, my God, church, if he never did another thing for us except send Jesus to the cross, my God, that's all we need. That's all we need. So let's not miss the mark. Now, what is the answer to the problem of of weights and sin? Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the altar and finisher of our faith. And I pray that you really press in right now and really take hold of this because we're wrapping up this message this weekend and I want you to really get the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus takes upon himself the responsibility of helping us to get out from under the weights and Jesus takes the responsibility of us to resist the sin that so easily entangles us. He'll help us. Turn to somebody, say, he'll help us. Those of you that are online, type it in there. He'll help us. Psalm 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. Revive. Why? Because I'm getting weary and getting discouraged. But he'll revive us in the midst of trouble. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. Verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I want to read that again. Whose responsibility is it? His. What is our responsibility? To cooperate with him. But this is what he's willing to do. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Who's the work of his hands? We are. We are. Listen to the message translation. Finish what you have started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. Philippians chapter, chapter 1, verse 6 says this, being confident of this, of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What are we talking about? We are talking about not getting weary, not becoming discouraged, allowing Jesus to take the weights to, to help us to resist, give us the power of his grace to be able to say no to sin and all ungodliness. He will do it if we will ask him to. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. There's a due time. There's a due time for everything. 
That's where the endurance comes in. Are you getting this? We endure until we come to that place of due time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one day. It is a process of time. But we're guaranteed this. In due time, we will see it come to pass. Cast all your anxiety, your weights on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever felt like he's been chewing on your leg? Have you ever felt like you're in a season where it seems like every devil in hell has found out where your address is? Resist him, start standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Everybody's going through stuff. Everybody's going through stuff. Don't ever get into that penny party of thinking that you're the only one. Nobody knows the trouble I have. Don't go start singing that song, okay? And the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, look at this, after you have suffered a little while. I wish he didn't put that in there. But he's a very practical God. And he knows what life is like on planet Earth. Why? He's lived here. He's lived here. Amen? And the God of all grace, who calls you by his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What does that describe? Endurance. So we may have to go through a few things. He may have to walk us through some tough times. But if we'll stick with him, and if we'll allow him to develop within us this endurance, we'll come through it every single time. So looking unto Jesus, the author and completer of our faith, he'll bring us to a place of victory and strength. But one thing we must understand about Jesus, and I need you to get this, the very one thing that is so important right now that you and I need to grasp the reality of when you're going to turn something over to him, understand this. He never deals with the fruit. He always deals with the roots. I'm going to say it again because if you don't get this, you're not going to understand what we're, what we're going into now, the scriptures we're going into. He never deals with the fruit. He always deals with the root. Because when you deal with the root, you will eventually cut off the fruit. Amen? So many of us want to deal with the fruit on the outside. Just the fruit, just the fruit, just what you see. Not understanding. There is a reason why some of us act out in certain ways. There is a reason why some of us are susceptible to certain sin. There is a reason why certain weights develop in our life. And what good is it if you just cut off the fruit, but you don't deal with the root? Guess what? The next time the season comes around, what's going to show up again? The fruit. So understand this. Why am I telling you this? Because dealing with the root is very different than just dealing with the outside. Dealing with the root can, can, be, it can be painful sometimes. It can be uncomfortable sometimes. Are you listening? Yes. You ready? Yes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. He goes for the root. So whatever that thing is, a weight or a sin, so that it will stop reproducing in our lives. And for those of you that have had, had that cyclical issues in your life, cyclical problems, cyclical addiction, cyclical stuff, where you're okay for about 
two or three weeks, and then at the end of that two or three weeks, you, within a week, you find yourself right back in the situation again. I'm trusting God that this weekend is your weekend. That he's going to do something. He's going to, he's going to get in there and do something with those roots that have been producing that cyclical. You got, you got this? So let's jump in. John chapter 4, verse 5. I'm reading to you from the English Standard Version. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as it was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is 12 o'clock noon, okay? A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Because you've got to understand the historical context here. The Samaritan people, hundreds and hundreds of years before this incident, had been deported to the kingdom in Babylon, and some even to this day when they discover uh, Jewish relics in places like Afghanistan and even in China. That was a result of the Babylonians and the Assyrians. What they would do when they attacked a nation or attacked a city, they would uproot those people, bring them to the furthest part of their, of their empire. And they would take people from that part of the empire and bring them to the furthest other end. <clears throat> and so what had happened throughout the centuries is that the area of Samaria, they kind of became inbred with pagan believers. And, and so the Jews who kept themselves pure wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans who they believed were defiled. The Samaritans wanted nothing to do with the Jews because they felt that they were looked down upon. So now here's Jesus. He comes to the area of Samaria. And so here it is, hundreds of years later, and this prejudice and this discrimination is still, is still operating. So she says, it's apparent that he's a Jew. Jesus is a rabbi. He's dressed like a rabbi. Okay? And so she says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For, and, and it says, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? In other words, she's not getting it. She's going to need to see a few things. She's going to need to comprehend who this is that she speaks. She's not getting it. Either that or she's playing dumb and doesn't want to get it. Okay. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did his sons and his livestock? Can I just stop here for a second? I love this mentality. She's talking about Jacob like he, like he lived last week in her time. She's talking about something that happened 1,500 to 2,000 years before this time. Yet she's so aware of her culture. She's so aware of her roots She's so aware of the history, and that's something that we lack as Americans. That's something that we so lack that we, an incident happens two weeks ago, we forget about it in a week and a half. We need to develop that. We need to develop that. So, so she says to him, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from himself and did his sons and livestock? Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus now unloads both barrels. Jesus said to go call your husband and come here. What is he doing? What does he deal with? What does Jesus deal with? Roots. What is she trying to give him? Fruit. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right, you have no husband. For you've had five, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, now watch this now. Jesus did not say this to embarrass the woman, but to get to the root of her issue, to get to the root of her weights and the sin. And let me tell you something. Sometimes the Holy Ghost has got to confront us. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. But sometimes we need to let the Holy Spirit just just deal with us. We need to become vulnerable. We need to become transparent. We need to, we need to say, you're right. Okay, let's do, let's do it. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come and work in me. Come and deal with me. Come and tweak what needs to be tweaked. Come and uproot what needs to be uprooted. So now, so now she's on the spot. He's read her mail. And nobody likes that to happen. Okay? So what does she do? She flips the conversation. She's doing that what most of us do when the Holy Spirit pinpoints us. And we get uncomfortable because he's nailed an area of our life that we don't want anybody to know about. And so what does she do? She redirects the attention. She now puts on this religious mask. Watch this now. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. (laughs) Pretty obvious. So now what is she going to do? She's going to put now, she's going she's to go, you know, uh, toe-to-toe with him. All right? Uh, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. What is she doing? She starts doing that tap dance. Like, look what I'm doing. Don't tell me anything more about my life. Why? I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. How do we know that she's embarrassed and ashamed? Nobody in their right mind in the Middle East goes to gather water at 12 noon when it's the hottest part of the day. Are you getting this? As soon as she stepped up with that jar on her shoulders, he knew this one's got issues. This one doesn't want to come when everybody else comes at first thing in the morning or when everybody else comes at the end of the day when the sun's going down. Why? She doesn't want to face all the other women in that village. Why? Because she's got a history. And it might involve some of their husbands. Can I get an amen? amen? So when you don't want to see somebody, you don't go where the crowd is. You wait till everybody else. And now, now imagine how she's sweating bullets. It's 12 o'clock. The sun is up at the highest point. And that's when you go to gather water? No, no. So Jesus said to her, he's not going to let her hide behind this religiosity. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Man. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. 
And the woman now, now, now she's like, what do I say? How, what do I do at this point, you know? And she goes, I, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Oh, my God, I wish I was there when Jesus said this. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Boom. I who speak to you am he. She recognized who he was. He recognized her brokenness. Jesus touched her at the point of her pain. The weights, the sin of adultery. He revealed himself to a sinner in order to uproot the pain, the shame, and tear down the facade. We come to church. We put on the facade. It's bad enough that we have to wear that mask, but then we put on the emotional masks. And we want to, everyone to believe that everything is wonderful and everything is fine. How are you, sister? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing, brother? Oh, couldn't be better. Everything is wonderful. And then those same individuals who go home at night and cry themselves to sleep in bed. Facade. Jesus wants us to get rid of the facades. He wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be vulnerable. Not to shame us, but to help us. She hid behind religion, and religion never, religion never sets anyone free. It only creates an image of godliness, but it is actually slavery and bondage. Jesus dealt with her roots. Here's the problem. It's from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. God only knows the hurts and the wounds that caused her to put herself in that position. She may have been a victim of all those individuals. We don't know. We get to heaven, we'll find out. But we do know this. She encountered a savior who was not gonna let her hide behind that facade and hide behind that religiosity. He loved her and cared way too much for her. Are you listening? Are you glad right now that that same Savior knows everything that's going on in your life? That that same Savior wants to, Savior wants to rescue you from behind that facade, that phoniness, that fakeness. Jesus deals with the roots. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy, full of leprosy, saw Jesus and fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 13. I'm going to break it down for you, but I want you to pay attention. What happens here? The man says to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I know you can do this. Verse 13, then he, Jesus, watch this now, put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was full of leprosy. The leprosy left him. And he, Jesus, charged him, the former leper, to tell no one, but to go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Why do you think Jesus wanted this man to go to the high priest, to go to the priest and to show himself and to fulfill everything that Moses said? Why? Because he was sending a message 
to the religious people. He was sending a message to the priests. Why? Because they claimed to be waiting for this Messiah to show up for thousands of years. And one of the things that they knew from the prophets that would happen when the Messiah came is that he would cleanse the lepers. He's sending a message of mercy. He's sending a message of awareness so that the priest would know, guess what? The one youth we've been waiting for is here. Just like he said to the woman at the well, I who speak to you am he. You're getting this? Now watch this now. Follow me in this. I want to unpack this so that you walk away from this message impacted. Look at the mechanics of how this works. What are we talking about? Jesus deals with what? Come on, say it like you actually believe it. Jesus deals with what? Roots. What's on the outside of this man? Leprosy. Serious condition. Extremely contagious. It's forbidden by law for anybody to touch a leper, forbidden by law for a leper to come into a village or a city without announcing first, unclean, unclean. That'll do a lot for your self-image. So what happens here? Watch the sequence. The man needed healing, yes? What did Jesus do? Come on, look at the mechanics. Jesus did what? He touched him. I'm going to do it again. The man needed healing. Jesus does what? What are you not supposed to do with a leper? Touch him. What is the first thing Jesus does? Touch him. Then he speaks and commands the leprosy to leave him. And then the man is healed on the outside. But can you imagine how many decades this man has never had the human touch from another human being? How many decades this man has been, been, been criticized, mocked, ridiculed, rejected, abandoned. It said he was full of leprosy. You don't get full of leprosy in a month. That's a condition it would take years for him to get to that place. Imagine this man, no human touch. No one has been able to satisfy the need of this man's soul. And what is the very first thing Jesus goes for? He doesn't go for the sickness on the outside that's apparent. He goes for the heart condition and he touches the man. Come on. He goes for the root, not what's on the outside. And that's a savior that you and I have. Jesus went for the heartache of loneliness. He went for the heartache of rejection, the heartache of abandonment, the heartache of hopelessness. He said, I know you can heal me if you want to, but you probably don't want to touch me. You probably don't want to be near me. You probably can't stand the sight of me. And church, listen to me. Leprosy in the Bible is always symbolic of sin. That woman at the well, she would not go out in the morning. She would not go out in the evening. She went at a time when she would not have to encounter anyone. She did not want to experience the shame. She didn't want to experience the gossip. She didn't want to experience a possible fist fight from another man's wife. So that shame caused her to change her routine caused her to go at a time when it's extremely inconvenient and unreasonable to go gather water. This leper, 
You imagine what it took for him after decades of being rejected. Do you imagine the hope and the faith that he developed Maybe hearing about Jesus cleaning other lepers. Maybe hearing about Jesus raising the dead. Maybe hearing about Jesus opening up blind eyes and deaf ears. And so he said, if I get rejected one more time, I get rejected, but I'm going to go for it. Well, how do we know that? Because we hear it in his voice. We hear it in his, his words. I know you can do this if you want to. I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you're willing I don't know if you're, if you're going to run away from me just like everybody else does. And some of us have involved ourselves in things throughout the years. Some of us carry the shame and the guilt and condemnation of our past. And we want to hide it. We don't want anyone to know about it. Especially when it tries to follow you on this side of the born-again experience. And so people hide, and they deal with things on their own, but the fact is you can't deal with them on your own. They just keep festering, and that leprosy just keeps growing. And the more it grows, the more shame that person experiences. And yet the same compassion of Jesus that was available for that leper is available to us. That same love, that same touch, that same disarming compassion is available to every single one of us, no matter what sin, no matter what weight that we're carrying. We need Jesus to touch us. We need Jesus to speak to the condition. He touches first, he speaks second. He touches first, he speaks second. Why? The touch is for the roots the speech is for the fruit. You listening? We have an ancient promise that still holds true today. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. What richness in this scripture. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Church, let him draw you. Let him draw your heart. Let him lift every weight. Let him break every sinful habit in your life. Let him draw you. He's drawing you, but you must respond. His heart is saying, I'm willing. I'm willing. And no matter what sin you've involved yourself in, no matter what it is, no matter what leprosy is on the outside of your life, he wants to touch you. He wants to speak to that situation. He wants to empower you to resist every attempt of the enemy to hold you back so that you would not become weary and discouraged in your soul. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.